if I didn't love school all the time, and I think I pretty much did 99% of the time, I always loved learning. And that was the ideal environment for me. That, my friends, is Jacqueline Whiting, a library media specialist from Connecticut and my friend. Today on episode two, she's going to share with us an excellent idea that she used to beat the burnout. Let's go. Welcome to the Burned in Teacher podcast. I'm Amber Harper, and the educators on this podcast are brave enough to share their stories of burnout with the world. On BIT, we get real, we get honest, and we take action. Action against the burnout with stories from burned out teachers, advice from experts, and actionable steps you can take today to beat the burnout and become a happier, more fulfilled human being. Let's get started. Hey, Burned In Teachers, I'm so excited to introduce you to my good friend and actually fellow colleague, as you'll learn here in a little bit. Her name is Jacqueline Whiting. She is a current media specialist in Connecticut. She has taught for about 26 years. She's a Google innovator from Sweden, 2017, and she's a periodic blogger for herself and for others. So welcome to the Burned In Teacher podcast, Jacqueline. Thanks for having me, Amber. This will be fun. Yes, it really will. I am so excited to hear your story. So can you start out by kind of telling us where you began in your journey? Absolutely. You know, you mentioned that this is my 26th year teaching, and I don't think it matters how many years you've been teaching. Um, I, I intimately remember those first few years and my very first year teaching in particular, um, a colleague of mine took me under her wing um, and and appointed herself as my mentor, for which I was very grateful. And one of the things that she pointed out to me were the burned out teachers on the faculty and warned me in these very, very formative uh, weeks of my career uh, to avoid becoming one of them. And that defined for me what burnout meant. And I carried that notion with me for a very, very long time. And that's what made it difficult for me to recognize burnout in myself because I wasn't identifying with those teachers. And it took me a while to see that I was struggling in the same way that they had been, if not for my very own unique reasons. So can you help me to understand what qualities those teachers had that your mentor was pointing out? Yes. So remember, this was my first year teaching. I was quite young and um, relative to me, everybody seemed much older than me, but it was still my impression that they presented as not just older than me, but they presented as old. They always seemed tired. Um, They always seemed stooped over. They never answered the typical, how are you, greeting by saying, great, well, fine, I'm great, how are you? It, It was always responded with a grumble or a gruffness, and it felt like coming to work for them had become a chore. And it also felt like they didn't find anything gratifying in their day. And my assessment of them was that education had changed and in essence either had left them behind by their own choice or left them behind because they didn't know how to keep up. Mm -hmm. 
And at that moment, I swore to myself that I would never be left behind in the changing educational trends, whether that was pedagogical, technological, I was going to be cutting edge because I was never going to be burned out. I see that so, so much in your attitude and just knowing you and working with you. I I see that that has affected you. So going back then, you know, you seeing those qualities in them, tell me about how your first experience or when you realized that you were sort of starting to feel burned out. Can you tell me, you know, what happened? Do you know what caused it and how did you identify it? So that's interesting. I... I very much externalized it. I taught at that initial school for only a couple of years, and it was a very long commute away from my house. I was a newlywed. Um, I was getting ready to buy my first house. And so after a couple of years, I switched and I went to a different school that was much closer to my home. And I thought at that point that the school was fantastic. I had died and gone to heaven. I was not worthy of my colleagues. They were intellectually superior than, than to me, um, that I felt like every day was smoke and mirrors, hoping that they wouldn't find me out. And that was a good thing because they were, the bar was so high. And and I I loved if I didn't love school all the time, and I think I pretty much did 99% of the time, I always loved learning. And that was the ideal environment for me. I felt like I always had more I can learn. And this was a great group that I could learn it from. And when I stopped feeling that way at that school, I, I blamed others. I wasn't yet ready to look at myself. And I said that my colleagues had changed and that their priorities had changed and that lunchroom conversation had changed and it wasn't as invigorating or stimulating as it was before. And so the first time that I started to feel what I now know were symptoms of, of burnout, I just chose to change schools. And I figured that a, a different school and a different environment with a leader with, with vision and colleagues who were like me, um, that everything would be, would be better again. Um, and again, it was for a little while, right? Change is invigorating. It can be, particularly if it's self-selected. And um, a new school made things seem like they were they were better. But you know that that was only for for a few years. And then I started to to feel that agita again. <laughs> were there any specific instances that happened that made you step back and go, "Whoa, I." I need to leave. It's time for me to go. Because I myself experienced that when I left my my first school. Um, if you've listened to my story or read my story, um, there were several things that happened. There was finally an, an incident that, the dog. that made me feel like <laughs> I am feeling way too out of control right now. And yes, you're right. The dog. <laughs> what she's referring to is... <laughs> Um, at my first school that I worked at, I had been under a tremendous amount of stress for various reasons. My family and I got a puppy. He went to the bathroom all over his kennel one day when I went to let him out of, uh, of his kennel to go to the bathroom during my lunch break. And I had basically an emotional breakdown and it had nothing to do with the dog and everything to do with my current situation and that was that's so silly to like to to verbalize it but it just took that little event to say whoa 
it is seriously time for me to reevaluate my situation. I've, I've got to do something different. So, I mean, aside from your dog pooping in your kennel, um, <laughs> was there something else that happened that made you really reevaluate that current situation? So at the, at the first school, we had been a cohort of people who we did a lot of things together and even things like chaperoning the prom and we would have our own pre-prom get togethers and then we would go to prom and, and we were involved in school life as adults outside of the classroom and we were involved in one another's lives as adults outside of outside of the school and there was a time where I realized that one of those events was coming up and I just dreaded going dreaded going and I couldn't tell anybody that I was dreading going for fear of hurting people's feelings but that was my first indication that I just didn't want to be around those people outside of school. And again, I made it about them and not about me. And it wasn't until I was able to make it about me that I was able to start making proactive changes that weren't really predicated on, now I've got to go find another job at another school. I sat down one day and I made a list of all of the things that I liked about my current job, my current role, my current activities that were all professional. And I removed from that list the word, but. So I couldn't say, I love teaching students writing, but grading papers is becoming too daunting, or I love um, setting ambitious goals for myself, but teacher evaluation is making me afraid to do that. So I removed but, and I just embraced all of the things that just made me smile, made me feel good, made me want to go back after the summer vacation weeks. And looking at that list helped me to understand not just that there were things that I enjoyed about the big picture of education, but that there were also talents that I had that I hadn't fully recognized in myself or appreciated in myself. I then allowed myself to make the, li- the butt list. So what are all of the things that are getting in the way of me enjoying what I like and getting better at these things that I'm already becoming really competent at. And then I said, all right, so what's the job? What's the job in education that lets me do these things I like while not necessarily being so totally immersed in these things that are actually what are causing me to to burn out. Those things are becoming too much for me. And if I can't minimize them or mitigate them, I'm not going to last here. And it's now got to be about me, not about my colleagues or my students or the courses that I'm teaching. I adore that strategy. (sighs) I think that is so, so smart. It actually aligns really well with the burned in acronym. If you're familiar with reflecting on your challenges, you were understanding what you liked. You were understanding yourself. And then you were are reflecting on those challenges, those buts that you mentioned. 
I love that. Mm-hmm. Did you get that idea from anybody else or did you just come up with it yourself? I, I, I mean, I, I don't want to say, oh, hey, I'm so smart. I came up with that myself. But <laughs> it's it was a great just, idea. It, it was a, it was a strategy that I had been using with students in a different way. Um, or to a different end, a, a student who was trying to identify a research topic, we would start to do th- these lists of polarities. You know, I like this, but this interferes with it. Or I wish I could, but I have this challenge to overcome first. Mm-hmm. And in, in doing that with students, they were able to identify topics for research or problems to solve in in independent work situations, um, capstone projects. I mean, it was a it was a strategy that was working so well with my students and their decision making processes or narrowing down of what their options or their their goals might be um, that I realized I needed to, to turn it on myself in a way that was going to help me. It's, so that's really where it came from. I think that is just such a great resource for our listeners. So I will definitely um, put something about that in the show notes. So as you made this list, you know, this was all in in isolation. So did you right. talk to anybody about this? Did you have a relationship with your administrator and your coworkers that you could bring these things to their attention? Or did you feel like you needed to talk to anybody? So that's interesting because the very first people that I started to talk to, in essence, they were almost strangers, right? This is where I started to realize what the value of a PLN is, right? My my personal and professional learning network of people I had never met in person before, but I'd been interacting with in professional communities on social media. I started to realize, well, these were the people who might be able to make suggestions, you know, for someone who's really, really interested in curriculum writing, curriculum development, the delivery of professional development, but not interested in becoming an administrator. What does someone do with that passion and and that choice of certification? And it was in talking to people like that that I started to realize there's there might be a different path for me, which allows me to still teach, to still be in a school, to still have contact with students and to to capitalize on my desire to work with curriculum and work with professional development and maintain my relevance in terms of technology as a teaching and learning tool and progressive pedagogy that that incorporates technology and things like that. And that's when I recertified in library media. I think that one of the things that makes me a successful library media specialist is 23 years in a regular classroom, Mm -hmm. practicing the craft of of teaching. Um, I bring to my meetings with my colleagues now who are classroom teachers, a real empathy for what their day is like. And it means that our collaboration is so much more meaningful and productive. Um, And what I actually, my struggle now is helping them to understand that they aren't making my life difficult by asking me to do things with them. They make my life difficult when they don't ask. And I didn't have a library media specialist like that to work with 
in the more recent parts of, of my career. And I look back now and realize that in the early years, I did have that library media specialist. And she's kind of somebody who I hold out there and ask myself, you know, what, what would Candace be doing in this situation? How would Candace encourage that teacher to, to work with her. Um, so I feel like I've kind of come full circle back to that school where I felt like I'm not worthy. I'm not worthy. I have a role model from that school who I, who I carry with me, even though she's, you know, moved on and retired on her own and, and all of that. And that, that just feels really gratifying. That's really incredible that you have somebody that was that much of an influential mentor to you. So I'd like to talk a little bit about your PLN. Um, And this is where I'd love to highlight you and I and our professional relationship. Jacqueline and I are actually both local activators for Future Design School. Do you want to highlight what it is that Future Design School does? Absolutely. So they're a a professional development agency based out of uh, Toronto, Canada, and they run everything from camps for students that are focused on design thinking and entrepreneurship um, to institutes for teachers to help teachers bring future ready skills into their classrooms, their libraries, their planning, their curriculum development. I know we both met the people from Future Design School as a part of our experience at the Innovator Academy. Um, And attending the Innovator Academy, uh, meeting less and and learning, being really immersed in the principles of design thinking, those, those were game changers for me. My career and how I do my job and how I relate to colleagues and students hasn't been the same since then. I couldn't have introduced them better myself. And I totally agree. So back to my question about your PLN. How do you think Mm -hmm. that your experience with burnout would have been different if you didn't have that online professional learning network? My experience with burnout began so much focused on other teachers who I was surrounded by in person on a daily basis, teachers that students would talk about, oh, I'm going to this person's class or that person's class. And I, and I knew who they were. And I had a sense that I knew what they were doing, what, what was happening in their classroom. I worked so hard to be progressive and try to be cutting edge in what I was doing that I was, I was beginning to isolate myself. And that's really where my burnout was coming from, was my, my sense of, of isolation, of not understanding why people were teaching the way they were teaching or assessing the way they were assessing, and also feeling like people didn't understand me. And my PLN provided me with people who understood what it was that I was trying to to do and therefore I was able to trust them to be critical friends and give me feedback and direct me to look a little bit more inward and a little a little bit less outward. Um, and that really was kind of the, the tipping point for me to be able to say I, I can take charge of this in a way that, that will work for me and allow me to still be in education. That's great. And then if you pair that with your empathy that you mentioned earlier with, you know, being a classroom teacher for 23 years, that's a pretty good mix. Is there any piece of advice that you got from your PLN that has really stuck with you throughout the last few years? So certainly when our conversations first started, 
I got a lot of affirmation from people. We know you're a good teacher. We see the resources that you're sharing. We see things like that. Um, we love the pictures of your students when they're working, those kinds of things. But it was when people were saying things to me like, I took this little piece of what you did and here's what I turned it into in my classroom because I face a different challenge than you do. And so I was able to think differently about what you did. And I realized that I was, I was relevant to people in other places and um, that what I was doing, they were then taking and they were making it better and then they were giving it back to me. And so they were challenging me and I was able to go back to that earlier experience of, you know, these people around me have set the bar really high and I can work to keep growing personally and professionally because they're challenging me to do that. I love that so, so much because I've experienced the exact same thing myself. You're a, you're a small fish in a very big pond. And what's so great about that is that people do things with, with your um, resources and they put them back out and you think, oh my gosh, I didn't even think it could be that amazing. And if I wouldn't have shared it with them, I would have never known the possibilities. So earlier you mentioned that your view of a burned out teacher was was those teachers that were isolated in being left behind. They had allowed themselves to stay stagnant when everybody was moving forward. Am I correct in that? Yes, okay. exactly. So then you mentioned that you felt isolated in your progression. So in your professional opinion, what is a way to bring those two teachers together? Because I professionally, I'm a Google trainer, and I work with teachers that are feeling very left behind. And sometimes it doesn't have anything to do with their negativity or their, you know, their dislike of progressive teaching. It's just it has moved so fast and their personality has not moved as fast as that. And they just need people to slow down for them. So um, mm -hmm. so what is your analysis on, on how we can bring those two people together. That would be a, a huge solution to a, to a big problem. I spend a lot of time taking classes. I spend a lot of time um, studying and I go to lots of conferences whenever I can. And I'm not suggesting that people have to invest a lot of money in those kinds of things. I do, I do webinars and I participate in the chat. I do any, a National Geographic has a course that's launching in a couple of weeks about um, all different ways to use geography across the disciplines and it's a free course. So I signed up because there's going to be people there that will, like I've said, challenge me and um, reinforce things that I do and, and provide ideas. And I think that at the end of the day, it's about finding people who do those two things. They let you know that where you are is okay because it's where you are. And then they ally themselves with you to allow you to try something that challenges you. And we're all challenged by something. It doesn't matter how how spectacular a teacher may present themselves in person or on social media or what or what have it. We all have something 
that, that we can get better at. And we all have goals that we set for ourselves personally and professionally. And I'm not talking about the kind of goals that we get evaluated on. I'm just right. talking about the things that keep us going every day and, and finding those people who will say, hey, I'll help you with that. Even if it's not my priority, that that be something I learn. It's a priority that it's something that you want to learn. And I will stand by you learning that if you will stand by me learning the thing that I want to learn. Um, and it's finding those safe, collegial, critical friendships that I think are what are key to, to keeping everybody going. So if you could offer one piece of advice to a teacher going through burnout right now, if they were to walk into your library and just say, Jacqueline, I am so burned out. I don't even know where to start. What would you say to them? I would ask them to find that one moment in the day where they laughed or they smiled or they sighed and it wasn't exasperation, it was release. Like, what is that? Find that moment and then make a plan for how tomorrow you're going to magnify that moment by just one more time. And really, it's, I mean, there are so many, so many ways in which we talk about things being one step at a time, but it, it, it really is because when I was feeling burned out, I felt overwhelmed by the totality of the school day. And it wasn't until I started to break it down into the little elements of happiness and pleasure and satisfaction that I started to be able to push away the things that were negative or overcome the things that were negative so that I could make choices for myself. But I really, really, really had to break it down into those really small moments before I could start to really make a reasonable choice for what was going to work for me. Can you give us a little bit of an insight into your current reality? How are things right now for you as a teacher? So that's a that's a fair question to ask because, you know, I think that that burnout is something that that stays with a person. Um, I know that it's something they are feelings that have that, that have they've stayed with me. Um, and that is in part what got me blogging. So when I stopped being a classroom teacher and started being a library media specialist, I started a blog. And I described the blog to the world as the place where I was going to be journaling my transition from the classroom to the library. And I have found that that experience of, of blogging has been really, really helpful for me because it has been, the, it has been those times where I stop and I reflect before something gets big, before something gets overwhelming. Um, I, I try to make it a point at least once a week to find some small success or achievement that I want to write about for that week. And what generally happens by the time I'm done writing about it is I've realized that it wasn't as small an achievement as I thought it was because either the act of writing about it has allowed me to see things I hadn't really been conscious of yet 
or the act of writing about it has allowed me to see ways in which I can amplify it, magnify it, and extend it out to other colleagues or other disciplines or other parts of my day. So that has really been the key to helping me stay reflective and keep looking at myself and not fall back into that pattern of looking at others. That is a great inlet for you to tell us the name of your blog. (laughs) (laughs) It it is jwbeyondthestacks.blogspot.com. All right. And I will also put that URL into the show notes. I have really quickly the burned in teacher lightning round questions. So All it right, is here we go. this or that format. Okay. Are you ready? Okay. I'm ready. Netflix or YouTube? YouTube. <laughs> Phone call <laughs> or text? Text. <laughs> that was a loaded one. I have teenagers. <laughs> Toast or eggs? Toast. And finally, Facebook or Twitter? Twitter. Twitter. And I bet I can guess that's because that is where your PLN lives, right? That is where my PLN lives. Yes, it does. Well, thank you again, Jacqueline, for your time. You had a lot of great advice for us. I appreciate it. Amber, it was such a pleasure. Thank you. Wow. What incredible ideas and what a great story from Jacqueline Whiting. I have so many key takeaways and tips, but I'm going to leave you with one. I love Jacqueline's idea of making what I'm going to call a butt list. First of all, making a list of all of the things that you enjoy the very most about your job, about the actual art of teaching for you, and then allowing yourself to write down a list of buts. For example, I love teaching writing, but what is standing in your way of enjoying that actual art of teaching writing the best that you can? And my friends, the next piece of this, because it doesn't stop there, is actually taking action and finding answers. Sitting on things that are frustrating you about your career is not going to solve your problems for you. Taking action and finding the answers to those buts is what's going to make you a happier, more fulfilled educator. I do have to mention one more thing that Jacqueline mentioned, and that's her PLN. If you don't have a professional learning network and you'd like one, jump on to facebook.com groups slash burned in teacher and request to join our group and share those butts with us. There is a group of over 100 educators ready and waiting to support you in your mission to beat the burnout. We'll see you over there. Hey, I'll see you tomorrow when I'll interview Kim Strobel, a happiness coach from right here in the Hoosier State, where she will give us all sorts of great tips on how to beat the burnout and be the happiest teacher you possibly can. Until then, take a deep breath. You are your own hero. And you just took another step into becoming a burned in teacher. Burn on.